If you have your Bibles with you, let me invite you to turn to James chapter 1. We'll be looking uh, at James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. I appreciate you giving me the next hour to speak. My watch stopped working. I said, <laughs> I want to talk this morning, um, sort of continue in a series that I've been in when I've been able to preach. I've been in the book of James for the last two times, and we've learned that James is a series of tests that uh, test the genuineness or the reality of our faith. So as we uh, on this morning celebrate this major accomplishment in the lives of our graduates, we're going to take one more test. And I know that's probably the last thing that you wanted this morning was to take a test. But to be honest with you, life is full of tests. Don't be like the young boy who came home from school when his mom asked, well, what did you learn today? And the little boy responded, well, not enough. They want me to come back tomorrow. Life is full of tests. They're here today and they will be here tomorrow. And graduates, as I look at you, remembering what it was like when you first came into the youth group until now, my heart is flooded with emotions, hoping and praying that those can be corralled today somehow. But I want you to know, this church wants you to know, and your parents want you to know, that we want nothing but the best for you. And the best for you is wrapped up in how you see and meet these tests in the book of James. We want nothing more for you than to be able to say, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what he has entrusted to me. Let's be clear. The answers to all these tests laid out in the book of James does one thing. It points us to Jesus and our relationship with him. And that's what this life is about. Everything and everyone finds its meaning, finds its purpose, and will eventually find its end in Him. So it's an important thing that we do today is to let the Word of God examine us as we take this test together to see the genuineness of our faith so that when you leave the walls of Pitts Baptist Church, you know for sure that your relationship with Christ is secure because of what He has done and what He has revealed to you in Scripture. So let's take this one last test together. So with uh, the rest of us, would you please stand as we uh, open God's Word, read it together. James 1.19 through 27 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you. We ask that you would lead us through this time of study, that you would help us to understand, Father, uh, these words. God, I pray that it would not do nothing but edify this body of believers, and Father, that it would exalt the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. So this morning, uh, the test that we are getting ready to take is a series of questions. It's three questions. And so the first one is this. The first question that we find that's laid out in this passage of Scripture is simply, are you ready? Everybody say, are you ready? So are we ready for what? Let's look at what James 1, again, 19 and 21 says. It says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. So are you ready? Are you ready to receive the Word of God? And there are three imperative statements in here that will help us know if we're ready to receive the Word of God. You're going to receive a lot of information from here on out if you haven't already. And you've got to be ready to receive that information in life. But the most important information that you will ever receive comes from the Word of God. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we ready to receive the Word of God? You know, some of you are more on-time people than others, right? You've got those people who are ready to go somewhere 10 minutes before everybody else. And that person is always sitting in the car and they're thinking to themselves, why in the world is everybody else not ready? I'm sitting here waiting. They're talking to themselves. They might be honking the horn. Come on, let's go. I know that there's nobody like that in here. But I guess there are some people that are ready and some people that aren't. Who are you this morning? Are you ready? James lays out these imperatives, and we're going to phrase them in three questions. But before we get to those questions, I just want to ask you a simple question to, to, to sort of ascertain for yourselves, are you ready or not? And that question is this, are you hungry? Yeah, Kevin, it's almost lunchtime. I'm hungry. I'm not talking about that kind of hungry. I'm talking about are you hungry for the Word of God? Because having a hunger, having an appetite for the Word of God is a great indication that you're ready to receive the Word of God. If you're not hungry for the Word of God in your life, then it's a good indication that you're not ready to receive the Word of God in your life. The scripture tells us in Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for the living God. This is where the test starts. When we were on our mission trip in Delaware, we sent money ahead uh, to a lady that was going to cook for us. 
Well, apparently she did not get the message in time that we paid for the food for our breakfast and for our lunch. And so the first morning when we get up and we go down to the gym to eat, and uh, the lady is looking at our group, and she goes, okay, one piece of bacon. Now, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but the guys in our youth group are pretty large. Do you think one piece of bacon is going to fill them up? Absolutely not. There's no way that one piece of bacon is going to fill them up. All we heard all week long, are we going to eat yet? When are we going to eat? When are we going to eat? We went to a buffet one night, and that place lost money on us because we were hungry. (laughs) And we ate and ate and ate. Have you really looked at your life and asked yourself, am I hungry for the Word of God? I believe if we are, I think we can then ask ourselves these three questions to get us ready to receive the Word of God. And the first question is this. It's found in verse 19. It says, be swift to hear and slow to speak. So to be ready, we must be swift to hear and slow to speak. What in the world does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean this. All right, you have two choices. A, you can spend the rest of your life with your wife. Or B, B. (laughs) That may or may not be Darren Johnson in about 20 years. (laughs) Amen, he says. It doesn't mean that. Right? We often get our words in before we listen. But let's look and see what it means to be swift to hear, because that's the first imperative. Be swift to hear. So what does it mean to be swift to hear? Matthew 13, 9 says this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. That means that we are commanded to listen before we speak. And then Romans 10, 17 says this, So then... Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So not only are we commanded to hear, we know that hearing the Word of God increases our faith. Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. So if you just want to look smart, just be quiet, right? Proverbs 29, 20 says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? The more hope for a fool, there's more hope for a fool than for him. So to be quick to hear means that we should seize every opportunity that we have to be in God's word, to hear God's message proclaimed. Because, guys, listen, there are going to be times in your life when trouble comes, but the word of God brings comfort. There's going to be times in your life where you are confused. But know this, the Word of God brings wisdom. There's going to be times in your life where you are so tempted, but we know that the Word of God helps us in our time of temptation. It brings power to us to resist that temptation. So, church graduates, are we quick to hear? Next, in order to see if we're ready to receive the Word of God, we need to ask ourselves, are we slow to speak? This is the second imperative statement there in James 1. Proverbs 10, 19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking. 
but whoever retains his lips is prudent. Proverbs 17, 27 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. God has given us two ears and one mouth. We should definitely listen, especially to what the Word of God says before we speak on behalf of what God says. John MacArthur says this, The primary idea here is this, that when the appropriate time to speak does come, what is said should be carefully thought out. When we speak for the Lord, we should have the gravest concern what we say not only is true, but it is spoken in a way that both edifies those who hear and honors the Lord in whose half we bes- that we speak. So, is what you say true? Does what you say edify? And does what you say honor the Lord? We must be swift to hear and slow to speak. We must think to ourselves, I must think intelligently before speaking irresponsibly. So are we quick to hear? Are we slow to speak? Then the third imperative is this. It's also found in verse 19. Are we slow to get angry? Because we know that anger here does not produce the righteousness of God. But let's be honest. It's hard not to get angry, isn't it? I mean, ask Jay Knight, right? Ask him if... He knows that it's hard for sometimes his dad not to get angry. Maybe it's the time that I walk into his room and amid all the clutter in the floor, I look to his wall and there's a knife about this long sticking in his wall. Why is there a hunting knife that's stuck in your wall? I don't know. I also look and I see small little indentions in the wall, all over his wall. And I'm like, what in the world could that be? My head turns this way, and I see an airsoft pellet gun. So my, my son thought his room was a hunting room, and so he killed things with his knife, and he shot things with his gun. So it's hard not to get angry sometimes. But that's not what the kind of anger that James is talking about here. Anger here means resentment, and it can be brought on by several things. Some of you might say, well, wait, wait, I have, a, I have a righteous anger. But listen to what Jerry Bridges says in his book, Respectable Sins. He says, the fact that we may be reaching, reacting to another person's real sin is not necessarily, does not necessarily make our anger righteous. We are likely more concerned with the negative impact of the sinful actions on us than we are that it is a violation of God's law. Or we may even use the fact that it is a violation of God's law to justify our own sinful, angry response. We also need to realize this, is that uh, uh, no one else causes us to be angry. Bridges goes on to say, Someone else's words or actions may become the occasion of our anger, but the cause lies deep within us, usually our pride or selfishness or desire to control If we are not slow to anger, we're saying that we are not ready to receive the word of God. If we are not slow, if we're not quick to listen and slow to speak, we're saying that we are not ready to receive the word of God. Why is this so important? Because the word of God is the word, the most important word, graduates, church, that we will ever hear. Are we ready 
to receive the Word of God. What other things make us angry? We get, it, we get angry because somebody has mistreated us, or we get angry because we didn't get our way, or we get angry because someone's response to us was in anger. And when anger festers up like this, it builds resentment. And when resentment comes, it is a deterrent to us hearing the Word of God. And lastly, let me say this, some of us even resent the Word of God. Church, graduates, never get to that point. What do I mean by resenting the Word of God? Well, sometimes when we open it and we read it, it exposes our sin. And that is an uncomfortable place to be when it exposes our sin. When it tells me that I am not right, I am wrong, that's an uncomfortable place to be. But when it does happen, we need to have the thought, the attitude, and the prayer of the tax collector who says, Please, God, have mercy on me, for I am a sinner. And when we are in that place, you know what we're saying? We're saying that we're ready to receive the Word of God. The second question is this, and it's simple. Are you reading the Word of God? Are you ready, and are you reading the Word of God? Verse 21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. In a recent study done amongst Christians, 19% say that they read their Bible every day. 26% say that they read it a few times a week. 14% say they read it once a week. 22% say they read it one time a month. And 18% say that they never read it, or very seldom read it. This is a survey that was conducted amongst Christians. Are you reading the Word? Based on this survey, are you reading the Word? Guys, listen, we can't give you any better advice than this. Read the Word of God. Saturate your life with the Word of God. You have just been given a Bible a good study Bible. Read it and study it. You know, when I was in high school, if you would have asked one of my high school teachers uh, if I was to go on to college and have a bachelor's degree and even beyond that, a master's degree, if they didn't faint, they would probably laugh you right out of the high school. I didn't give a good effort. I sort of faked my way through. I smiled a lot and had a good personality. My favorite teachers were the lunchroom ladies. But listen, when I got to community college, there was no way that I could fake getting through there. I had a teacher, Mr. Huckabee. He was my Western civilizations teacher, and we had a book about this thick. This was my first semester of community college. And he would come in, and he would give us unit tests, chapter tests, often. And then uh, sometimes they were unannounced. And what he would do, he would come into the room and he would write on the white uh, erase board uh, five things, uh, events, dates, names, whatever. And then we, he graded us on how we answered those things by the who, what, when, where, why, and how of all those things. And there was no way that I could do anything in that class uh, uh, passing-wise if I were not in the, that, that book every night going through it and trying to pick out the things that are important and writing the who, what, when, where, why, and how, making my study guide, and, and, and then taking the test. 
Thankfully, I passed the, the test. But I had and would not have had I not been in it as much. That class was hard. You know, life is hard. Life is going to be hard. And for the person who claims to be a believer and yet only reads the word of the living God once a month or even once a week, eventually the reality of their time spent with the God of the universe is going to surface. It's going to come to light in your relationships. The people that you are closest to will be able to know and tell how much time you have spent with God in His Word because those things will manifest themselves in your life. Are you reading the Word of God? Where are you on this survey? Are you part of the 19% that read it every day? Or are you part of the 81% that, that don't? Are you ready? Are you reading? Well, how are we to read it? James gives us specific instructions here as to how we are to read it. He says that we are to read it with a pure heart. What does it mean to read the, God, read the Word of God with a pure heart? Well, it means this. Listen, uh, when those who are in Christ, those who have received Jesus uh, as their Savior, confessed their sins, and, and trusted the work, the finished, complete work of Jesus, that he, what He done on the cross... We are made righteous in the eyes of God. And in the eyes of God, we're not going to be any more righteous because he has, he has given us that righteousness. He has taken away all our bad and He has given us His good. And we cannot improve on that standing. He has positioned us. He has called us as righteous. That is called positional righteousness. But because we have positional righteousness, we must practice righteousness. We must receive the word of God with a pure heart. Colossians 3, 8 through 10 says this, but now you must put them all away. This is a part of taking off the things that we need to take off to get ourselves ready to read and understand the word of God. This list is not comprehensive, but it says, but, you, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator. This is the way that we should read the word of God, taking off the old and putting on the new. And then he gives us another uh, uh, statement here that we should receive the word with humility. You know, I like to tell people I'm very humble. That's a joke, right? You don't tell people that you're humble. Humility's my best quality, right? I don't mind telling you. But what is humility? Humility means that you're selfless, that you count others as more important than you count yourself. It means that you're willing to submit yourselves to your authorities. It means that you have a teachable spirit. And that is the vein in which we come to the Word of God. We read it with a pure heart and we read it with humility. Jenna Harster came to youth one night. Jenna, where are you? Are you in the house? This, yep, I'm sure you are because your brother's graduating. She came one night and she brought her award 
and gave it to Darren Johnson. She got an award that day at school, and it was the Humility Award. Why do you get an award for being humble, right? Isn't that the whole purpose? <laughs> she gave it to Darren. Darren, I think you still have it, don't you? Darren's a humble guy, too. <laughs> but you know what? There is a reward for being humble. Because when we approach God's word that way, it unlocks the treasures of his word. Are you ready? Are you reading? I only have one more question, and I will be done. Or I could be like Dean Hardister on our beach retreat last weekend. Sunday night, we didn't start our last session on the beach retreat until 10.30. It's because we had been at a restaurant for five hours. Yes, I said that right. You didn't hear me wrong. Five hours. We waited for three hours, and it took two hours to eat, get our bill, and get out of there. So five hours, we're out of place. We didn't start our, our, our study that night until 10.30. And then uh, at 10.30, uh, uh, we're almost halfway gone anyway. And Dean gets about halfway through his, his talk, and he says, wait a minute, we're going to stop right here. Would you rather, A, finish about the 15 minutes of the message that I have left, or B, B, and they said B. (laughs) No, he didn't say that. He did say, hey, we can have free time and we can eat some ice cream. And being the mature youth group that we have, they chose B, to have some ice cream and have free time. (laughs) So, Pastor Scott, next week when we're, uh, you know, you're about ready to wrap things up, would you want to give us that option? Probably not, all right? The last question is this. Are you responding to what you read? Are you ready? Are you reading? Are you responding to what you read? James 1, 22 says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only. And then we pick it back up in verse 26. It says, If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So how do we respond to the Word of God? Number one, we respond to it through self-examination. That means simply this, that when we sit down with the Word of God, you know, there are many people that they'll read the Bible through in a year or they'll read a chapter here and they'll read a chapter there and they do it because they check it. I mean, it's a, it's a checklist. They never let the Word of God really examine who they are and who God wants them to be. You see, their conscience is good when they they just read the Bible. But are letting that Bible uh, examine you, do surgery in you, to bring about anything that needs to confess, be confessed, to bring about any action or a prayer that you need to pray, that's what the Word of God does. It examines us. That's how we respond to the Word of God. And secondly, we respond to the Word of God by letting it restore us. The Word of God does reveal our sin, but the Word of God also unlocks cleansing for us. Guys, I wish I could stand before you and say, you'll never mess up again. But in all honesty, because you and I, we fight this thing called the flesh, we're going to mess up. But we need to let the Word of God restore us. Because it says, if we confess our sins, 
He's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we respond through self-examination. We respond to the Word of God by letting it restore us. And lastly, we respond to the Word of God through practical obedience. We need to let the Word of God bridle our tongue. We need to let the Word of God filter what we say. We need to let the Word of God inspire us to take care of people who can't take care of themselves. We need to let the Word of God help us think of others more important than we think of ourselves. And we need to let the Word of God keep us from being conformed to this world. But we need to let it transform us into the image of His Son. So that's the word of truth test this morning, guys. Are you ready? Are you reading? And are you responding? Quite honestly, this is a test that we all should be striving our best on because we know that it points us to Jesus. And ultimately, that's what this life is all about. And as I said earlier, we want nothing more for you than to have a real, vibrant relationship and enjoying Christ for the rest of your life. The invitation for you and for all of us is simple. Receive Jesus as Savior. Know what He has done for you on the cross for your sins and then be committed to him with your whole being through his word guys I love you and it's been my honor and my privilege to stand before you every Wednesday night trying to do this very thing I know I've not been perfect at it, but I've tried because I love you. And I will always love you. Pastor Scott, would you come and lead us in an invitation?